you've spent much time around the church, I'm sure you've heard people talk about the vocations crisis. For many decades, the church has been in a state of crisis because there is a great shortage of vocations. Now, whenever we talk about this, the implicit understanding is that we're talking about religious vocations, the vocation to the priesthood, to become a sister, a brother, religious life. And people are desperately trying to find all sorts of solutions to this vocations crisis. You know, if we could have married priests or women priests or change the way we live religious life, then we can solve the problem. But there is a much bigger vocations crisis which no one is talking about. And it's the vocation of marriage which is really in crisis. Firstly, because very few people are getting married these days. You know, in, in the diocese where I'm currently based, there was a very, very somber meeting of priests recently where someone asked, how many weddings have happened in this diocese recently? And most priests could only think of maybe one they've done in the last year. Now, if that is an indication across the whole country, there's a serious problem. Okay, no one's getting married. You know, and if they are getting married, it's often long after they've already had a number of kids and been living together for a long time. But I think there's an even deeper side to this, which is maybe even more concerning, which is of those who are married, how many of them genuinely view their marriage as a vocation, as opposed to simply a lifestyle choice? Now, the reason I say this is because very often when I am preparing young couples for marriage, I ask them and say, what is going to be your mission as a married couple? And even when I've been working with couples who have had a strong faith upbringing, you know, have even done missionary work in their, in their youth, every time I've, I've had this blank look as though they've got no idea what I'm talking about, you know, what do you mean, mission of marriage? <laughs> and, and this surprises me because the, I mean, the fact that such young, faithful Catholics have never come across the concept suggests to me that old, faithful Catholics have probably never spoken about the concept. And so maybe even they have never thought of their marriage as being a mission, a vocation. Now, in the last episodes, I've been talking a lot about discipleship and I thought that this would be an important space to talk about because in the Gospels, Jesus only ever really says one thing to people. He says, follow me. He doesn't say, believe in me. He doesn't say, gather once a week and say nice things about me. <laughs> he calls people to follow. And that is what the whole word vocation means. The word vocation means calling. It comes from vocare, you know, to, to hear, to listen, to respond to the calling. Where is God calling you? Now, the danger in the way that we speak about vocation is that we often think of it as being one decision that you make. And then once you choose your lifestyle choice, you then go and live it the way you want to live it. You know, so I've, I've heard so many young people over the years say, I feel called to marriage, and that's the end of the story. Okay, I'm now going to be married 
in my way of being married, in the place that I want to live, doing the job that I want, and living happily ever after. Now, I think that misses the whole point of discipleship. See, the calling is not just Jesus saying, you know, Peter, I want you to go and be Pope and go and do your best. You know, you can do it however you want to do it. The calling is rather him saying, Peter, I am traveling and I'm calling you now to follow me and walk in my footsteps every day. Every day you need to be asking me, Lord, where are we going next? And then you've got to keep following me. You see, that was the challenge given to Peter. And it was a really difficult challenge because as far as we know, Peter was the only one of the apostles who was married, you know, because we hear about his mother-in-law. We don't hear of any of the other disciples. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't married. But I think Peter is a good example in this. He had to wrestle between his dreams and his plans and his wife's dreams and her plans and then the call of Jesus on his life. You know the story at the end of John's Gospel where Peter meets the risen Lord on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus challenges him three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, I love you. And he says, look, tend my lambs. He says again, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, yes, you know I love you. And he says, okay, feed my sheep. You know, very often we refer to this as being like Jesus challenging Peter because he denied him three times, so he now has to state his love for him three times. But it struck me recently that there is, there is something really, really deeper here about vocation. Peter is at the crossroads of his life at this moment. He's seen Christ crucified he's seen him risen from the dead he knows his wife is back home he knows he's got a whole family there there are there are dreams of having children of having grandchildren and here is jesus saying peter how much do you love me which path are you going to choose here are you going to choose your vision for life or are you going to choose my vision for your life and I think this is where Peter wrestles. You know, he's saying, Lord, you know I love you, but this is hard. You know, how do I give up my own ambition, my own desire, my own dreams? I think for married people, trying to understand what is your calling, what is your vocation, I'd really encourage you to look to St. Peter and the battle that he faced inside of his own heart. It can be really difficult to wake up every day and say, Lord, where are you going and how do I follow you? Trying to discern what that looks like within the context of family, with children, with responsibility to extended family. It's going to look very different to what a priest does or what a religious sister or brother does. You know, they, they've been given the luxury of owning very little and being detached from so many relationships that they can... Ideally, leave at a moment's notice and follow. The fact that this is a difficult question to wrestle with, I think it means that this has become a question that we've simply chosen not to wrestle with. How do you discern where God is calling you in your state of life? 
with your responsibilities, but also with your gifting, what does that look like? You know, and it, and it probably won't look like working for the church. It probably shouldn't look like that because you're meant to be working in the world. But what does this look like, not only in, in your work or your ministry, but, but as a relationship, as a marriage? How do you both experience a calling of how your love is meant to overflow out into the world, to bless those in your neighbourhood, you know, those who are in your suburb, those who you encounter through your children's sporting teams or different events? How does your marriage become mission? You have been called, not just as an individual, but as, as a team. And so there's a real sense of needing to really be on your, on your knees together and praying about what does that look like? And, and what does that look like through the different stages of life? Because it's going to be very different in the early years of marriage compared to when you're both old and sitting in a nursing home. Your mission doesn't end just because you're old. You know, every day we need to be seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, where are you going and how do I follow you? Where are you leading me today in this mission? As a church, we need to revolutionize the way we start speaking about vocation. I think we need to really start challenging people and, and, and actively asking people, saying, what is your mission? You know, force them to start thinking about this. Encourage them to gather and start praying about what is their mission as a married couple. Because when we look at the state of the church, there is so much of a focus on the clerical mission and the hope that somehow that will be the salvation of the church. If we can just get enough priests or we can get priests that are good enough at preaching or good enough at relating with people, then the church will come back to life. But that is such a misunderstanding of what God is trying to do in the world. You know, there, there is not this hierarchy of, you know, these people have mission and everyone else is just following. You are meant to be a shepherd. You know, the, the challenge for the church is to turn sheep into shepherds. You know, you start your journey being a sheep, learning, following, being discipled. But there comes a point where you need to become a shepherd who is going to then train other sheep to become shepherds. And for you to start to look at your, your vocation as that. You know, who are you shepherding? What is the field that you've been entrusted with to care for, to look after? How do we start to build a culture where this is expected of everybody? Where young people are no longer looking at their wedding day and, or, or delaying their wedding day because it's going to cost $50,000. But rather they start to look at their wedding day thinking, we need to go on a retreat beforehand to pray about what our vocation is. You know, marriage has become so commercialized and then so degraded with all of the ridiculous TV shows that are on these, these days. People getting married having never met each other. As a church, we need to actively be rebelling against this and training our young people to start to see it as their calling to, to discipleship and, and to see marriage preparation as not just learning how to communicate and, and live with each other, 
but how to really be praying to understand what is their mission. Where are they going? As I say, I think this is the real vocations crisis in the church. If we can start to see the beauty of this calling, the beauty of the lay vocation, and start to really encourage it and, and fight for it, that's when we're going to see revival in our world.